everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Jake Crane in the 5 o'clock hour. And your calls all around. We'd love to hear from you anything on your mind sports-wise. And once again, hour number one of The Drive brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they're also the sponsor of our hotline, where we welcome in our guests and your calls. And... uh when the lines are open, as they are about to be, the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive Text Box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, Podcast of the Drive, available however you get your podcast. Search for The Drive with Bill Cameron or use the Podcast Center at RadioAlabama.net on the ESPN 106.7 page. And that's all presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. So uh, that's it for me. That's, no, that's, we that's got a lot to talk about. Well, I'm gonna, I, I have, I have no knowledge happened, of well, anything. Nothing's happened before today. three o'clock, but you know that Auburn has an interim AD. I sent yeah, you, you that did, news. Yeah, you did. send me that. We, I still, I didn't read the details. No, I, I mean, just saw we, you can, Rich McGlynn. We can, Auburn's, yeah, we can, uh, we can pull up that announcement if, AD. If, if we need to. There's, I, 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 you've got to, you've got to talk for a little while. I've there's got been serious. Chatter, there's been chatter about the uniforms on Saturday. We might get to that. There's some rumors that with an all Auburn. All orange game. I know some of the captains yesterday were asked about uh, th- their opinions about the team wearing an orange uniform at some point this year. And Derek Hall and Owen Papo said that they were all in favor of it. And uh, the university, I guess, or the the football account on Twitter changed its uh, changed its, uh, its its profile picture to something uh, you know to to an all orange uh, image, which which you know has has fueled some speculation that there may be some sort of surprise with regards to what the team is wearing this Saturday, whether that's an orange accessory of some kind, a face mask or, or you know, a, I don't know, a, a shoe accessory, or if it's uh, an actual an actual alternate jersey uh, being debuted. There's been, uh, you know, I, I think that's sort of picked up steam in, in the last few uh, in, in the last few days or so, the possibility that Auburn might actually wear an orange uniform. And there's, there's strong opinions about that on both sides. I'm uh more of the wait and see approach. If it were up to me, and it absolutely isn't, you know, if it were up to me, I'd probably stick with the two standard uniforms, the blue one and the white one. And, you know, maybe if you if you want variety, maybe wear the white one once a year for a home game or something like that. But I'm I'm you know I would probably want to wait and see on an on an actual uh, an actual orange alternate uniform uh, being debuted. It's been forty years or so. I'm I'm hazy on the exact date. You know since. Uh, uh, since Auburn actually wore the orange uniform uh, in a game, but it's been uh, it's been a long time, and and for for a lot of fans, you know, it's an, it's an exciting possibility, especially with the way that I'd say in the last couple of decades, alternate uniforms have become uh, more mainstream within programs. It's less something that you associate with upstart programs or programs lacking in tradition. I mean, let's I mean Notre Dame wears the the green alternate every once in a while, and I mean, Florida has a, an orange and a blue uniform they wear at home. I mean, a lot, a lot of, a lot of programs with a lot of tradition and uh, lineage uh, have more than two uniforms, more than just one road and one home uniform. At the same time, there's something to be said for being a program with, 
you know, a, a standard look at home and a standard look on the road. And you know, I see both sides of this. You know, if it were if it were me, I'd probably lean towards uh, I'd lean towards the traditions. Uh, but uh, if, if you know, if you if you think you got a good idea that can start a new tradition, then then start that new tradition, and and we'll see uh, we'll see what happens. Especially for a coach in year two who's trying to make his mark on a program and and who wants to generate excitement however he can, uh, and and they certainly uh, you know they, they certainly tinkered with. Uh, convention at Boise State uh, to become a really relevant program. And so Brian Harson may be someone who's willing to uh, buck tradition or introduce new things uh, to a program that make may, that may make some of the traditionalists uh, somewhat uncomfortable. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens on Saturday, not just in the football game, although that's my primary interest more than uh, what they're wearing. I, I watch. Oh, yeah. I watch. That, well, if, I, if that were my main concern. Yeah, I mean, I watch ESPN more than I watch E. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm more I'm more interested in the in the football than the fashion of it all. But at the same time, uh, no, I think it would be it would be noteworthy certainly if Auburn introduced a uniform that they're going to you know an alternate uniform or wore orange for the first time in in several decades, uh, and that and that would probably fire up a uh, a considerable portion of this fan base and add even more. Uh, you know, e- even more energy and, and even more excitement to a game that's already shaping up as. You know the biggest, biggest out of conference game Auburn's hosted in several. I mean, Clemson's Clemson's special because you know Clemson was doing very well at the time, and there's been some history there. But I mean, would you would you go back to USC twenty years ago as far as the the last time Auburn hosted an out of conference a non conference game that at Jordan Hare a, a non conference yeah, game at yeah Jordan-Hare I would, I would think like so I, mean, I would you, think so I mean yeah. I can I mean West West Virginia was maybe they don't was, have but that's not Penn no, State right no no it's not I mean and and no no diss to uh, to West Virginia who who was really really good in there for a while. But um, they don't have the the history. They're not one of the names in college football the way Southern Cal, Penn State well, and, are. And Clemson had been on Auburn's schedule before. Clemson wasn't a team that I mean, Clemson was doing very well, but Clemson wasn't a team that you know it was. It felt like a once in a lifetime chance to see Auburn versus Clemson. These teams had met before, and, and there's you know a, a belief that these teams could meet again. But no, this this does feel. Like it did back in 2003, 20 years ago, nearly 20 years ago, uh, when Auburn hosted the USC Trojans in the in the first game of the season. And I am, um, uh, you know, a, a side note on this Auburn Penn State game. I, I saw, I believe it's the it's the current odds to win the national championship uh, that that have been updated since this weekend's action. And uh, I mean, there's no real surprises there. I think that folks would expect Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State to be the three favorites to win the national championship. Georgia is the favorite. Right now, they've jumped Alabama in the last week or so in the eyes of the odds makers or in the eyes of the public, however you want to, however you want to look at that. Uh, but Penn State is in the top 10 in odds to win the national championship this year, despite the fact that they are not in the top 10 in either of the polls right now, which would suggest that at least uh, in the eyes of either the public or, or again, the, the odds makers, Penn State a little bit underrated, maybe not being uh, ranked a little bit closer to the top 10. Because like I said, there, there are only, right now, I think there are only seven or eight teams in the country with better odds to win the national championship this year in college football than the Penn State Nittany Lions. So this is a team that some folks really believe in. Penn State's odds to win the national championship are about the same as Arkansas's odds to win the national championship. And Arkansas, much closer uh, to, to being viewed as a top 10 team uh, than Penn State. So this is a, uh, this is a team. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to learn more. I'm going to try to rewatch Penn State-Purdue 
uh, this week because that's a uh, uh, that that's a football team that especially defensively, right? Like I, I want to see how you know the the Auburn the Auburn offense versus the Penn State defense feels like a matchup for you know I mean I mean yes there's there's interesting matchups all over the field but you know how the Auburn running offense is is going to be able to attack against Penn State what kind of success they may have and difficult to separate that from how the Auburn passing offense is going to perform and, and the and the uh, uh, you know how many how many plays can TJ Finley and his receivers and tight ends and backs uh, make uh, through the air in order to either back off the Penn State uh, defense or provide some big plays and uh, and and keep the uh, keep keep the keep the game interesting because that's uh, something that yeah just feels like we were saying it yesterday Bill it feels like a crapshoot uh, between uh, between Auburn and Penn State it's a, it's a uh, it it's a it's a game where the the entire spectrum of possible outcomes you know if if an offense if one offense or the other one sputters you know this game could be a multi-score convincing win oh, yeah. for either team either or, way you're absolutely this, right or this could be a game decided at the buzzer uh, by a field goal and it, and it wouldn't shock folks either especially with a with a point spread uh, under 3 i mean you would sort of expect a game that's still up for contention in the fourth quarter uh, but it but it could be a uh, no it could be a game especially if especially if one of these two quarterback struggles and people would think of the two quarterbacks maybe TJ Finley would be more likely to struggle because sure. he has he's by far the least proven of the of the two yeah but, but Clifford's had some games where he's really struggled the less proven my bad yeah. and, and but Clifford's had some games in his past where he's really struggled and put yes Penn, he has and put Penn State behind the eight ball so I think the possibility of a uh, you know of, of a of an implosion or of a team you know really struggling to move the ball and and watching as the other team distances itself is is also uh, in the mix, but no, I, I would think, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a chance to see, you know, it's the first time ever, obviously, and it's a uh, it's a chance to see uh, a, a team, you know, two teams that appear pretty evenly matched, even if uh, there are uh, question marks or apparent flaws uh, there on on, on both uh, on both rosters. How'd I do, Bill? Did I buy you enough time? Uh, yeah, just about. Okay, cool. I, I'm, I'm, I almost I almost got everything taken care of. It, it's been one of those days. Sure. It, it, I'm, it, it's Tuesday. It's only Tuesday. Well, how about um, this? Before we before we go to break, for people who don't know Rich McGlynn. Oh yes, this is somebody. This is somebody that you're somewhat familiar with, and uh, and and you know, it's it's a name that has been talked about as Auburn's mm-hmm. uh, as 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 a candidate to be Auburn's interim AD, and that's the news breaking in the last uh, in the in the last few minutes that uh, or the last hour or so uh, that that the uh, that Rich McGlynn uh, will uh, will take over at least in the meantime. As the as the interim AD, while Auburn uh, finds a permanent, uh, the, uh, while the national search uh, goes underway. Yeah, and uh, I just deleted a, my email, so I, I was I was gonna re- I was gonna read it, uh, and I just deleted it. Uh, it's been it's been that. It's been okay. Well, well, Rich McGlynn worked for the uh, <laughs> Rich McGlynn worked for the NCAA. Uh, since uh, from from 2001 to 2006, he was hired uh, uh, at Auburn uh, in uh, in 2006. And at the NCAA, he was uh, he was a uh, he was a student athlete reinstatement representative, uh, associate director of member services among his titles while working for the NCAA. Uh, he also uh, worked uh, for the uh, Office of Counsel to the Governor of the State of New Jersey uh, earlier in his life, and then transitioned to college athletics. Uh, sent, he was the commissioner of the of the Central Atlantic. A collegiate conference. That's uh, the job he had before working uh, for the NCAA. And then in 2006, uh, he was uh, hired uh, as the uh, Associate Athletic Director uh, for Compliance uh, for Auburn University. Uh, he was uh, a noteworthy figure during the Cam Newton uh, investigation in 2010, and certainly the investigation into the men's basketball program in 2017, both times in Rich McGlynn's name, because he was the key figure in compliance for Auburn University. Uh, his, uh, uh, his, his name was, was, was often mentioned 
mentioned uh, in the media or, or he was uh, he was he was cited as someone uh, making uh, making decisions within both the uh, yeah the 2010 uh, Cam Newton investigation and the 2017 right. he's he's been very he's been very uh, uh very instrumental in in keeping Auburn uh in in good stead with the with the NCAA, Auburn President Dr. Chris Roberts uh, put out a, uh, a statement. I believe it was actually a letter mm-hmm. uh, earlier today announcing uh, McGlynn's uh, promotion uh, to interim athletics director. Uh, "Quote: I am confident in Rich's ability to lead us forward during this transition period, as he has tremendous experience in the field and at Auburn University." Unquote. Part of the uh, uh, the statement uh, from Dr. Roberts announcing that Rich McGlynn is the new uh, interim athletic director at Auburn University as the national search begins uh, to find uh, the next AD for the university. And it's going to be really interesting because over the weekend uh, I, I was hearing uh, I was I was hearing some some rumblings that the interim AD could be in place for a for a good amount of time. This this may not be something that oh it's just a a very short term you know matter of a couple of months or something like that. It could be you know a year or years uh until uh un- until the the permanent athletics director is named but uh it does seem that the feeling is the interim ad will not be the the next permanent athletics director you know i, I think it, the only reason that would surprise me is because they're about to announce details for the search and it feels like having a search go on for a year or 18 months it does seem for, odd, for an ad would, would be a little bit strange you know maybe that's the way things work now in in major college athletics but uh, you know I, I could see you know if, if they were delaying the beginning of the search i would think oh well now there's no telling you know if it were open-ended and it was oh you know it, we'll we'll announce details someday regarding w- when we when we replace uh, Rich McGlynn. I would think oh it, it's it could be a, a very long time. The the thing that makes me think it's not going to be a I would think by this time next year I think Auburn has a, I would a think AD. so you and know the, you you would you would sure think so you it, would think that probably before before the start of a school year is what I had thought. Initially, when, I would agree. When when uh, Alan Green announced he was stepping down, I thought that well, before classes start next fall, you would expect there'd be a new ID. But I, I just don't know. Well, especially if, and uh, I believe it was the uh, I believe it was the OA News uh, Adam Cole's story in the OA News, uh, Bebe, uh, who had the uh, the story about. Uh, Chris Roberts, and he says in the, uh, I believe it's in the letter, uh, Chris Roberts says that there will be details regarding uh, the national search uh, very soon. I think the coming weeks is the uh, is the way that he phrased it in uh, his statement. So, uh, yeah, you would think that there could be uh, there there could be news or there could be traction regarding uh, you know a, a search in the next few weeks or months, and and we could be closer to a permanent candidate. But no, it doesn't seem like it's going to be. Soon, in the sense of no, no, like, it's not imminent. It's no. not about to, you know, it's not about. He's not going to be there. Like he will be an. I, I believe he'll be an interim AD longer than Marcy Girton was the acting AD. And it's okay. also that's a safe bet. And it's also <laughs> well, and it's also not on a coach's timeline, right? Usually, right. when there's a coaching vacancy, it's like, hey, we need to fill this thing in three weeks. Like we we can't. We, you don't want to. Well, lo- you know what you do. You've got you've got a president that. I mean, if it, if it comes down to it. You know, the the president's going to be selecting the. I mean, he will he will have the final say so on the new AD. So if if there were indeed something like that, the president would would very much 
uh, I think, be involved. I am campaigning on social media for you to get the job, by the way, Bill. I'm, I'm, I'm lobbying I don't know. I've BC, got, BC I've, for I've AD. Got, I've, got, I've got more than enough on All right. No, I think, right you, you know, I just think it'd be a... Uh, uh, you know, it'd be like in. Um, Although it would help, it would it would help uh, in my in my uh, uh, as I head toward retirement. Yeah, no, yeah, I would, boot, think, I would think there'd be a slight pay. Yeah, that bump that bump you up a little bit. No, I, I, th- I feel like it would be like on. Um, it, it, not to spoil the ending of Parks and Recreation for folks, but like it would be like when Jerry gets to be oh, mayor. Oh yeah, It'd be like when Jerry gets to be mayor of uh, you know at, at the end of the uh, at, at the end of the show. I think that'd be you know finally finally letting Bill Cameron run the thing would would be the uh, I think a great way for this. I Maybe mean, this is the, the 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 dramatist in me you know wanting the best story, but but no, I think uh, not to mention in all seriousness. I, I think you'd do a really good job. So, you know, I'm, I'm pushing for It's probably not going to be you, but I'm, I'm probably pushing, I'm, not I'm pushing for you on social media. So, you know, and and, and also and it, and it does it is a roundabout way for me to take over the show. too. that's the other thing is that if you're AD, I figure you know, anyways, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lobbying for you to, uh, to, to, get, to get the job, Bill. All right. Uh, I mean, if we have time, we can we can go. It's, it's a pretty lengthy letter from uh, from Dr. Roberts. Uh, that, that we could get to if we have time. But in the meantime, we're going to get your calls. We have guests joining us. We'll get to our first break of the afternoon. Matthew, hold on. You're up first when we come back, just underway here on the Tuesday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. And let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline, and Matthew gets us started. Hey, Matthew. Hey, guys. Got a theory for you guys. Um, I think, and, and there are outliers in this theory, but for the most part, if you hire a coach that is a scheme guy, like a Melzon or a uh, Josh Heupel or um, a scheme guy, then you will have fast turnaround success but not necessarily sustained success. And if you hire an X's and O's coach, such as a Nick Saban or a Kirby Smart, you will have success, but it will take time to get to that success. Now there are outliers like uh, like Riley and other people. What do you guys think about that theory? I would I would put it more like all right, a scheme guy and a process guy. I don't think I don't think Nick Saban is going to go down. I mean, he's going to go down as the greatest coach of all time, but he's not going to go down as the greatest X's and O's coach, but the greatest organizer. He is as good a builder, and that's what Kirby Smart and a lot of the people that have been under Nick Saban have really uh, tried to, to emulate, is how to build a program totally. I mean, involving every facet and doing everything exactly right, and that involves bringing in the best talent. Because at times, you'll see a coaching decision that that may cost a game when it's a very tight game, but if you have everything taken care of the way Nick Saban and Kirby Smart now have, where you have 100% buy-in, everything, complete control, and as good or better talent than anyone else, it's very unlikely that you're going to uh, sustain many losses or have many dips in the road. Well, and, and, and you know, the way I've, I've always thought of it was sort of scheme versus recruiter, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like the question of mm-hmm. like, you, you know, because, and Gus Malzahn sort of qualifies too, where it's that you have these coaches where people think 
they have they have a system where they don't need five star players. They don't need the most talented guys from the recruiting class. They need the players that fit their system, and they'll be able to beat. The, the teams that recruit the best players. They'll be able to find a way to do it. And people say that about Malzon or some of the air raid guys, right? That's something that, you know, that, that's maybe a trademark. That's why you would hire Mike Leach if, if you were, if you were looking for, you know, if you're not a traditional powerhouse in your conference and, and you're looking for a, a way to, to rise to the top. Rich Rodriguez would be somebody that people would hire like that. And, you know, occasionally that can work, but it, it, it does seem like, the sustained success comes from right. You know, you, you, you'd ra- you'd rather have the guy that's recruiting all the five stars and bringing them in. Oh, you'd love to mo- have most both, of the time, but but yeah. but yeah, but you're right because if uh, um, eventually coaches, I mean, there's never been a a a scheme or a plan, you know, plan uh, an offense that can't be defended eventually. If you you know, there, there people will work on it and find ways to um, to, to finally slow it down. Like, why did Gus Malzahn have so much success his first year at Auburn? Why did Josh Heupel have so much success his first year at LSU? My, my other thing was, was why did not succeed at the Maybe it was because Josh Heupel was, was the, the success under um, under him at, at UCF. And so I was just thinking, trying to put all those things together, saying, hey, what, what, what creates the best success that's sustained? Well, I don't think I don't think Heupel was there on the staff with Scott Frost, right? Because he followed him. He was at right. he was at um, he, he was at Missouri. I want to say mm-hmm. he was somewhere he else was. as a, as a play caller. Home came, in Missouri. Yeah, he came, he came in from the outside as a play caller and took over for for Scott Frost. I mean, I, I know what you mean, but you know, it's, and it seems like in a lot of these situations too, it's it's directly tied to what you get out of your quarterback. Right, I mean, you think about Scott Frost and that team, that team of 2017 at UCF. What did they have that he never had at Nebraska? Mackenzie Milton. Mackenzie Milton yeah. lighting up the conference and 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 you know and rocketing up the scoreboard. And, and I mean, we've seen. I mean, there there are guys who never had. I mean, Gene Chizik never replicated the kind of success he had in 2010 with Cam Newton. Maybe some of that had to do with having a player like Cam Newton. Ed Orgeron. Never had, you know, never had a season like he did with Joe Burrow. You know, sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle with a really special quarterback. You ask about, you ask about Gus Malzahn. Maybe some of that had to do with finding Nick Marshall. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate the call, Matthew. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. I believe you asked the question very recently. What's Jimbo Fisher been since Jameis Winston left town? Right. I mean, it's, sometimes he's it's, the quarterback whisperer. What, what happened? Now he's screaming now. It's like what what happened to USC between 2007 and now, right? I like think think about what the USC program was mm-hmm. when they had Carson Palmer and Matt Leinart and Mark Sanchez, uh, uh, first round picks at quarterback, all three of them, and then t- ten years go by. Sam Darnold has a great season, also a first round pick. Now at Georgia Georgia appears to be an exception. Stetson Bennett is not going to be a first round draft pick. I mean he's the only one. He, he, he's yeah. the only one on the whole well, team. That's what I said. He's an exception. That's right. <laughs> yeah. He's but uh, so that's the other one. Yeah, he may it. get it he may get to New York for the Heisman ceremony. I mean just because yeah. the the numbers are going to be phenomenal. Yeah so it's either it's either have a first round pick at quarterback or have a team full of first round picks around a, a guy. Uh, it at sure doesn't hurt. It seems like those are the two options right now. And you know another another example of why you know these quarterback things can change everything. Do you know that USC has I believe this is they have the fourth best odds to win the national championship right now of anyone in college football. It's Alabama. That makes sense. I believe it's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio, Ohio State, State, and then USC. Mm-hmm. And what and and why would that be? Like, what's different about USC versus? I mean, a lot of a couple of things are different about USC versus this time last year. But 
primarily, like the main the main one, is that they've got Caleb Williams and no one else in college football has got something like that. And you're seeing, I mean, we, we were watching just, it seemed like every time we looked over at USC Stanford, there was another seven points on the on on the yeah, score. You're right for USC, and it's you know that's that's a road conference game. They just they they just, they just rolled through, and they there there might be a few of those in the uh, on, on the schedule for the Trojans. We need to get to our bottom of the hour break. When we come back, we'll check in for our weekly visit with Barrett Salee. So stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan here in the studio with Drew at the Controls. And it's time for our regular visit with our good friend from CBSSports.com and SiriusXM, and that's Barrett Sully. Barrett, how are you doing today? Um, good. How are y'all? Doing great, Barrett. It's it's always great to talk to you, and it's really exciting to get right into. Uh, I mean, in, after after an exciting weekend in college football, some big games on the horizon. We'll start uh, with this past Saturday. Yeah, because it wasn't supposed to be nearly as exciting for a lot of teams. <laughs> and and the Sun Belt Conference making its mark with uh, a couple of impressive wins. Marshall up at uh, up in South Bend over the Fighting Irish and the App State Mountaineers. Maybe they heard what that guy was saying into the microphone on Friday night because they go <laughs> because they go to College Station and they uh, they pull off the second biggest upset in App State uh, Mountaineers uh, football history, uh, but a uh, but but a damaging loss for Jimbo Fisher. What did you think of the uh, of, of the big win uh, by the uh, by the Mountaineers uh, over over A and M? You know, I, I didn't think a whole lot of Texas A and M before the season, but I thought they could win at least some battles in the trenches. But to to lose the time of possession battle in the way they did, that's just a massive indictment of their offensive and defensive line and. I know that, you know, all these freshmen came in and at the you know, defensive uh, line heavy recruiting class, that's the best recruiting class of all time, but they're still freshmen. And I think clearly having freshmen in the rotation like they do is problematic. It's not going to work. Uh, so, I, you know, it was, it was an indictment of, of Jimbo, his stubbornness. Everything around, uh, around this whole problem is Jimbo's stubbornness. He, he's too loyal to Haynes King. He won't make a change. He's going to make it work by God. He's going to. His, uh, his offense is outdated. He, he, just, he won't adapt. He won't give up play calling duties. All this stuff stems from Jimbo's uh, stubbornness. And until that changes, I think Texas A&M is going to sort of be stuck with where it is as, as an 8-4 and four type program. Hey, they they may have trouble getting to eight wins, uh, you know, from from yeah. number six in the country. Look at the next four games for them. I mean, they've got Miami coming in this Saturday night. Then Arkansas comes in before they go to Starkville, and then to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, 
I mean, if, if they lose to Miami and they have two losses before the SEC season, SEC season starts, and that is just, uh, it's going to be devastating. They've, they've I mean, got the, two. The Arkansas, yeah. well, well, think about this. Arkansas's M.O., its identity is to win the battle with the line. Of mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's not going to fly. And then Mississippi State, you know, I love A&M secondary. That's the one bright spot. Uh, but <laughs> I still don't trust A&M and, and that quarterback situation at all. Um, and, and then Alabama's obviously Alabama. So, I mean, you're looking, I mean, if they lose this weekend, one in five, yeah. it's not out of the realm of possibility. They've got Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, and LSU in the second half of the season with, with trips with a trip to Auburn uh, in 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 that mix. But I mean, this is uh, you know at least at least the buyout's manageable. You know if they wanna if they oh, want to yeah. make a change, you know at least it won't cost uh, at least at least it won't cost them all that much there for uh, no they they got they got an early hole to dig themselves out of. We wondered about that when we saw App State and Miami on the schedule because that is that's a tough back to back pair of out-of-conference games for a team to play before they start an SEC West uh, schedule. And A&M could, you know, they, they could take some punches these first two weeks uh, before they even, you know, have to make the trip to Jerry World. And, and, and like you said, there's a, there's, there's a lot there. Staying in the state of Texas. Right, Alabama, Texas. I thought was uh, what a game. Uh, what what a game, and uh, a a a heartbreaker for the folks in Texas. Not only the Quinn Ewers injury because he he uh, he has looked so good to start the season, and, and now you know sort of a question of, of how long he's going to be out after the uh, after the hit uh, early in the game took him uh, took him off the field. Uh, but also Alabama coming back and ultimately winning that game. Uh, but it was a lot closer uh, than, than I think folks were expecting. Barrett, uh, what, what did you make of Alabama, Texas? Yeah, how ironic is it that the question is, uh, what if Quinn didn't get hurt on this li- the first Texas Alabama game since what if Colt didn't get hurt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, oh yeah, Texas fans are there. fully con- you know Texas fans are fully convinced that if their quarterbacks have been healthy, they still be unbeaten against Alabama it, on a similar well, looking similar would, looking tackle, similar looking tackles too. Similar looking tackle. Yep. They well, they would have still lost in the title game back. I then. agree. They probably would. They probably would have won on Saturday. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I think the biggest thing, two things. One, the penalties for Alabama are surprising. Uh, that is something that obviously Nick Saban likes because they won the game and he can yell at them all week. So if they lost the game, he'd be furious. He's still furious, but he gets to yell at them all week. So that's good. But the problem is, the offensive line has been a problem last year, that prior spring this spring, and then now against Texas. So that's its identity, right? Like that's When you make Texas's defense look good, then you've got some issues, and that's on the offensive line. So I think that maybe we're kind of stuck viewing Alabama through the 2020 lens when they didn't have any issues with essentially anybody. But it really is like last year. You know, they have a massive deficiency, and because of that, they're going to play close games. Uh, they, they lost one, obviously, last year. They were, you know, taken to the brink by Auburn. They were taken to the brink by Florida. They were taken to the brink by LSU, Tennessee. Now this year, Texas. So you're going to see more of it. And that's just the way that, you know, Alabama is. They're, they're imperfect and they're imperfect in a place along the offensive line that I mean, you kind of can't really, you can't really hide that. I've seen too many horror movies to proclaim Alabama done, right? Oh, you know I mean, you oh, don't, you don't oh, do, you don't yeah, do this, no right? I mean, the, the handle pop out of the grave, but 
uh, it does seem like, I mean, even going back to Jalen Hurts and Tua Tonga-Vailoa, there were times when the pass protection would be something of a liability, especially compared to earlier in the decade with some of those dominant Nick Saban offensive lines, but the receivers were so good that they could cover it up with, with big plays and, and the quarterbacks could scramble around and find these future first-round picks at wide receiver. It does seem like, compared to recent years, Alabama is closer to the rest of the SEC West on the offensive line and at receiver. Is that something that could make some of these games really interesting later in the season, Barrett? Yeah, for sure. I think you hit on the wide receivers. That's the that's the biggest issue is that there's no Jamison Williams. I mean, look, think about all the things that were said uh, in the Iron Bowl when Jamison went out for targeting mm-hmm. and then in the um, in the in the championship game when Messi wasn't there and then Williams got knocked out. I mean, it's just like okay, those guys are huge parts of your offense. You don't have either of them. You don't have anybody close to those guys right now. So, yeah, I mean, a, a good receiver can disguise an awful lot. And I think we've, we've seen that with Alabama. But the fact that Burton hasn't been a number one and that their leading receiver is Demir Gibbs, that's not, that's not okay. So I think all of it does sort of work together. The offensive line has been part of that. But – I think the the idea that they didn't have anybody at least to, at least last year they knew Messi was pretty good. They they didn't know how great he'd be, but they knew he was pretty good. They thought Burton was good, but he's not. You know that there's a big difference in the two. Yeah, so far you're 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 right. Now in the East, I mean Georgia deserving that number one spot. Uh, we were talking about uh, you know Dan was mentioning Alabama and the rest of the West. Well, Georgia and the East now. Uh, before before last weekend, a lot of people thought, "Oh, Florida is the team that's really going to challenge Georgia." Uh, it was it was a rough day for uh, for Anthony Richardson and the Gators last week as Kentucky Mark Stoops continues his recent dominance of of the Gators and uh, Tennessee with a big win uh, last weekend as well. How do you how do you sort of rank the the East now in in uh, competition there trying to fight for uh, uh, fight fight for uh, spots behind Georgia? Yeah, I think it was too much too soon for Anthony Richardson. You go back and watch the Utah game. Really, the only good pass he made was that Houdini act for a two point conversion. Didn't throw a touchdown pass. Was just sort of average. And I think we saw against Kentucky when you take him away on the ground, when you prevent that aspect of his game from being a factor, he can't throw. And that's why he is last in the SEC among qualifying quarterbacks and passer rating. It's just he's got a lot of work to do. So it was too much too soon for Anthony. And then I think because Kentucky was so solid along both lines of scrimmage. Now, granted, their running back situation is a problem, but they have two more cupcakes, and then they get Chris Rodriguez back. So I think that'll help everything along for that offense. Um, so I'd put Kentucky there, but also I would say that if, if you wanted to make an argument for Tennessee, I could buy that too because the defensive front was so good against Pitt. I mean, poor Keaton Slovis had no shot. So I think that... Um, you can make an argument for Tennessee, but I would say Kentucky just because I think they have a lot more upside when Chris Rodriguez gets back. I noticed towards the end of the Florida-Kentucky game, just thought I'd look at Florida's schedule, notice they're going to Knoxville. I think it's next Saturday. I think it's the week after. It's, yep. it's the 24th. They have dominated. Florida has dominated that series. It's actually been pretty remarkable. You look at the last 15 years, I believe Tennessee is 
uh, not not to go all David Pascal on you, but but I think Tennessee is five and ten against Georgia, <laughs> one and fourteen against Florida, and zero and fifteen against Alabama. The three teams that they play every year, they they got a shot. It does feel like uh, in in a in a little bit more than a week uh, to maybe uh, pull off a, a win in a rivalry game, and those have been hard to come by uh, in Knoxville uh, since uh, since Phil Fulmer left town. They have been. You know, that's, uh, it, it is, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, though, when, when that game kicks off, because there's sort like the, the mental sort of uh, edge that, that Florida has, uh, it can't be discounted. But I, I think that when, when you see what Florida did and was, and really wasn't able to do without Richardson's legs, that's a massive problem. And, and I love, and I love the way Tennessee. I love the way the Tennessee offense is playing right now too. The way you know yeah, what, and, what, what they can do, it you know, is is really impressive. And if you're going to force them into a shootout, then you know that's it's going to be hard for Florida to hang for sure. Well, let's look at this week because there are some uh, there are some really interesting games on the schedule, uh, including uh, you were talking uh, you were talking about Texas A and M a little bit earlier. They they host the uh, they host the Miami Hurricanes. They better win. That, that's, yeah, I mean that beco- that becomes a must win. You know, it's it's weird that you have a number thirteen at a conference opponent uh, visiting you, and you look at it as, oh man, we got to win this one or we're in big trouble. But you lose to a Sun Belt team, and suddenly, suddenly, your visiting ACC opponent becomes a must win game. Yeah, and that ACC opponent has Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback, and you have Haynes King at quarterback. <laughs> Not good news. So, you know, if, if you have a – A&M's a team that's lost the battle with the line of scrimmage against the Nap State team. What, what's going to happen against Miami? Um, you know, they lost to Chase Bryce. Uh, what's going to happen when they play Van Dyke? You know, so there's just so many issues that are facing uh, A&M right now. And, and yeah, Miami, I, I think Mario Cristobal's kind of been pointing to this game for a while. That's kind of why I think they struggled against Southern Miss is that they really didn't focus too much on Southern Miss. But uh, if – if Texas A&M doesn't win this, and I don't think they will, things are going to get really, really interesting in College Station. Oh, no no question. Now, the game immediately preceding that one uh, will be another interesting one. Mississippi State and LSU, um, you know, uh, LSU, is Florida State, is Florida State really that much better and maybe LSU's not, uh, you know, not what some people thought after the first game? I really don't know what to think after two weeks for a lot of teams, and I'm really interested in this matchup um, down in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I am too. I think it's kind of getting overlooked with everything else that's going on. But, you know, you're talking – I mean, Jaden Daniels leads the SEC in passer rating and has no offensive line. <laughs> you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty remarkable. And he had wide receivers that flat out quit in the opener, and he's still been pretty solid. So I don't think folks have realized that. Uh, but what I do know is that Zach Arnett is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, and he's going up against that bad offensive line at LSU. So I'm just fascinated to see what he dials up uh, and if he can force Jaden Daniels to make some mistakes. And he really hadn't made many, uh, despite all the issues that he's been dealing with. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited about that game. I, and for Mississippi State, maybe this is a chance for them to – you know, further solidify themselves as one of the more underrated teams in the country because, I mean, it's not just their offense. I mean, look, I, I don't think it's a kind of a paradox, but they have that air raid offense that doesn't put 
an emphasis on time of possession and yet lead the SEC in time of possession. Mm-hmm. And they've been under 2-0. and So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how that program and that offense develops. Auburn, Penn State. First time ever, Penn State visiting uh, the, uh, the the Auburn campus. First time there's yeah, ever hard been to a- believe. First time a Big Ten team has ever been at Auburn. That is that is pretty remarkable. That it's the first time it's ever happened. You think the people up north that always complain about SEC teams not going north would send some of their Big Ten teams south? But I guess not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that with with A and M, James Franklin played games last week. He, Played all three quarterbacks on purpose. That was probably to give Auburn something to worry about. But it's it's about mistakes, right? Finley's mm-hmm. made three, uh, thrown three picks. Sean Clifford's thrown one. Sean Clifford's dynamic on the ground. I just it feels like like Penn State's offense isn't electric, but it's you you know what you're going to get every time. I don't know what Auburn did. They had no idea what Auburn did. So it's hard to trust uh, exactly what to expect from. Uh, from Auburn in that situation, so uh, I, I think Penn State gets the job done. But I think it'll be a, a you know four quarter last you know last five minutes type game. I think you know Penn State's going to get the job done, but I do think it'll be close. Well, Penn State, you know, Penn State should be the favorite. This is this is the game, Brian. What did Brian Harson say at SEC Media Days? Watch, all right, everybody's watching and uh, and and, yep. and waiting. We we will see because I I'm I'm not overly uh, you know I'm not down in the depths like a lot of people are after after last week you win sometimes you struggle and you win but yeah we still haven't seen anything to really be overly optimistic about either barrett you're big on hidden numbers bill had a really good one about tj finley though you know the people might overlook in in the in, in the ups and downs of tj's start what was it the first he was eight for eight for nine before his first pick against and mercer then, and then 12 for 15 after the last pick. Against San Jose State. <laughs> so that's a, that's a 20 for 24 yeah. stretch with a touchdown pass in there. So, you know, so maybe, so, you know, you, you know, there, you, you dig, you, you can find some stretches where he started Finley's. really well in the first game. He finished really well the second game. But, uh, you're, but you're right. Tough, tough to predict what you're going to oh, get yeah. out of the Auburn offense until you it see really, it against a Power uh, 5 team. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, but I, you know, it's, I don't know what that means. It might mean something. You yeah. know, I guess we'll find out this weekend. Uh, we, we'll have a better idea, no question. Barrett, man, we really appreciate it. It's always great to uh, be able to spend a little bit of time with you. Let everybody know what you got coming up and how they can follow you. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on all the social media sites at Barrett Salee and uh, watch the CBS Sports HQ on the app and on Paramount Plus and uh, listen to Sirius XM, all that good stuff. Sounds great, Barrett. Thanks a lot, man. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks, y'all, too. See you. Barrett joining us, as he does every Tuesday, and uh, we really appreciate that. We'll get to our final break of hour number one. Come on in and join us here on the Tuesday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Final couple of minutes of hour number one. Our thanks to Barrett Salee for joining us. Yeah, I don't disagree with a lot of his thoughts about uh, any of the games coming up. I mean, uh, I I'm I'm, I'm going to pick Auburn to win because 
Uh, I thought before the season that they would win. They haven't done a lot to inspire confidence. I don't know that we've seen everything they can do, but I don't know really what they can do well. You you wonder how much of the first two weeks was, and you, you hate to use this as an excuse, but you wonder how much of it was not not wanting to show too much to larger opponents that yeah. they were going to play shortly. I, I hate I hate to just go. Oh, that's probably no. what it was. Although I mean, Barrett was talking about you know James Franklin playing three quarterbacks just right. to sort of you know have have Auburn have to prepare for more. Uh, maybe uh, you know maybe it was. Prepare for less, and I think the re- I, the result of the next the next three weeks will matter tremendously in that regard. Because if Auburn's offense looks better over the next three weeks than they did the first two yeah. weeks of the season, then you could believe that okay, but well, it was it was needs a, to look better this Saturday. It needs to look better this Saturday. This You're Saturday. right, and 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 not um, you know you you wonder how dramatic you know the the improvements need to be. But I think, and it's not just it's not just T.J. Finley. No, no, that's, not that's at the all. Other thing that I think people. Uh, you know, may, that's, that's it. Seems like yes, everything is pointed aimed right at TJ. Right, it's got it's got to be that. And and look, TJ Finley's a huge part of it, right? I mean, can't sure inter- interceptions will be more mm-hmm. costly against a team like Penn State than they were in in the first two weeks of the season. And if you're wondering how the game could get really one sided, uh, if one of these turnovers, one of these quarter, one of these quarterbacks can't stop throwing the ball to the other team, yeah. that that's that's how the game could get one sided because you'd think. The defense and the special teams and other parts of the team, you know, you know, have have the ability to keep this thing close. But we'll we'll see what happens, Bill. We need to get to our top of the hour break. Phone lines are open when we come back. Love for you to join in here on the Tuesday Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Drew at the controls. And we're uh, we're going to get to the phones very shortly after we let you know that hour number two of the drive is brought to you as usual by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline, Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one, and the number to get you through. Is three three four three two one thirteen ninety. You can also text the show three three four five six four eighteen forty on the drive text box. Brought to you by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. A, uh, also, they uh, they sponsor the podcast. You can find podcasts of the drive however you uh, get your podcasts, or you can uh, go to radioalabama.net and find the podcast center on ESPN one zero six seven as. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, Billy, you got the uh, the shoulder. Oh, is it shoulder? man, it sounded like it sounded like. Uh, I heard that one. I think that one came really, up on the man. Mic. It sounded like I opened a box of Rice Krispies. Man, yeah. that was a snap, crackle, pop. That was in a my, full in my shoulder. Yeah, that was a full. That was a full. Goodness. Uh, oh man, that was that that bounced off the walls. <laughs> yeah. The pop, the pop of Bill's uh, shoulder there. Man, now that's next. That's yeah. next right. after the knee. That's next. All, All right, right. <laughs> we'll get some get some WD forty on the on that thing and see what, see what we can do. Uh, All right, so we, you know what we talked a little bit of Rich McGlynn. We talked some Auburn yes. Penn State. You did not give your thoughts on orange uniforms because that's oh, become oh. a thing over the last you know couple of days do you feel yeah, really strongly has. one way or the other about like it better work that's all i mean if you do it and it doesn't work then it's going to be i uh, see what a what a dumb idea that's all just better work all right yeah i mean i and i'm i'm indifferent i about remember it too. i like, remember seeing orange jerseys if, if if it were up to me i probably wouldn't tinker with the jerseys i'd just stay with the blue and the white and i said you know if, if i wanted a special occasion maybe i'd wear a white jersey at home for for a game or something like that. that you can do that but but i don't know if i would introduce a third that's a personal that's a that's a matter of personal taste you know if you feel strongly the other way and you think auburn needs th- to have I a third the or- i thought the orange jerseys with the blue stripes were pretty cool looking yeah actually, you know but- and, and Derek hall's profile picture on a couple of social medias now is a photoshopped I guess it's an orange uniform with blue numbers that someone has uh has put together as sort of uh you, you might want to you know I'll, I'll yeah i'll have to look at that once 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 we get through the reboot yeah bill's, I'll, yeah, bill's, I'll do that. bill's updating some stuff right now yep. but but no i mean so so there's it's it's picked up a little bit of steam and you know oh, you'll there's fo- been a lot of talk yeah, a lot I mean, of talk i i, I wish i could have listened more closely to the Max Roundtable, which you can hear every day here between 11 and 2, as uh, Charlie Trotman was uh, reliving, you know, the the memories of the orange jerseys against Georgia uh, back in 78. Um, I, I remember that. Uh, but I didn't get a chance. I mean, I was I was absolutely swamped with some other things. I could just hear a little of a talk going on. But yeah, we'd, we'd love your thoughts on that as well. Anything on your mind, sports-wise, let's get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline because we have a full bank of calls, and Terry gets us started. Hey, Terry. Hey, Bill. Hey, Dan. How y'all today? Doing all right. Good to hear from you, Terry. Good to talk to you, Dan. Uh, hey, uh, is that the last time Auburn wore the orange jerseys was 78? I believe Auburn Auburn has worn them once. Is there a game in the eighties? Is there, yeah. a, game, is there yeah. a game in nineteen eighty? I want to yes. say. Mm. Bill, do you remember nineteen eighty in the NFC Championship game when the Eagles forced the Cowboys to wear their dark jerseys at home? Ooh, I do remember Eagles. that. Yes, Eagles, and it was a bad. It was the kind of bad. This is what this got the feeling of to me. <laughs> That's what I said. It better work. It if better you work. Do it, it better work. It's a great idea yeah. when it works. Sure, sure. Anything is. Um, I remember last year, I thought Penn State had a big-time advantage on the both lines of scrimmage, offensive and defensive line. How do they look this year? Yeah, it's, um, they they don't – I mean, they, they return about actually less than Auburn does as far as returning starters there on, on both lines of scrimmage. Um, they've been okay through the first couple of ball games. I didn't think they were great on the line against Purdue – um, but and then who knows against Ohio? Joey so. Joey Porter is a is a sensational talent. Joey Porter Jr., the son of the former yeah, well, uh, he's, NFL. He's, but but, but he's, yeah, he's, he's in the back end. But he, he's he's sort of the highlight of the Penn State defense and a guy who a lot of people project as a as, as someone who could be selected pretty early in, in the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, but but there are uh, they they had some pretty significant changes overall defensively. Remember, they, they from, got from last they year got a year. grad transfer or two uh, on along the front. Um, mm. 
Well, there, and they have a um, there's a there's a there's a Maryland. There's someone who played pretty well as a true freshman at Maryland last year, who's on the defensive line as a uh, as as an end. Uh, uh, Chop Robinson uh, is, is is his name, and and he's been uh, he's he's been uh, somebody who's 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 was. He was getting attention during the offseason as someone who could contribute a lot. Now, the running back last year. The running back last year, Kane. That's the guy at LSU, right? Yes. Noah, Noah Kane transferred to LSU. Okay. All right. Um, let me switch to baseball real quick because I've got a lot of calls. Could the Braves have picked the worst time to go on a losing streak? Yeah, yeah. The worst time sure. would be when you get when you get to the playoffs. Yeah, how about the but playoffs? I, mean, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but no, it's not a great time when you make such a run. You get right there. You you get and 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 you're tied, and uh, you know they're still going to be in the playoffs. I mean, it, it's it's just uh, you know can they can they have the pitching ironed out? Once they get there into the uh, postseason, well, well, and it's not and, just about it's not just about close. We didn't think about Rizal Iglesias yesterday. It's not just about the it's not just about the division though. Too, I mean, being the two seed is pretty important in this playoff format because the first seed, the, the top two seeds, get buys and don't have to play that best of three series against right. the wild cards in the new uh, in the in the new Major League Baseball playoff. I mean, there, there's a the difference between being the number three seed and the, or the number two seed and the number three seed, or in the case of the, the wild card teams, you know, being the uh, uh, be, being the number two or the number uh, or, or the number four, because I because I, I think that's how they. I should know exactly how they seed. I, I don't know if the division. I don't know if the third division champion is automatically the three seed, or if it's the top wild card. Like if it, if it's if I it's seeded by record. I I thought that the, the top division champion was the three seed. So that would mean you could either be the two seed or the four seed mm-hmm. if, if you're the Braves, and that could be. Uh, uh, you know, and, and you still get to host games as the four seed, so it's not a, uh, a a total penalty. But it's baseball games you don't have to play if you're the one seed or the two seed. So yeah, it's it's, it's pretty important. And it looks like it might be Dodgers Mets, but the Braves still have time to, uh, to to win the division and clinch that two seed in the National League playoffs. Well, the way the Dodgers play, nobody's going to beat them anyway. That's the way it looks anyway. Well, it's, 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 really it's, happen, it's, it's, it's it's looked like that before it has. In, in September and not ended with a Dodgers championship. So you got to be careful. Yeah. But you're right. They 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 do look like uh, they they do look like the team to beat at the moment. And they certainly been the best regular season team. Yes, so, they have. Guys, take care. Have a great day. Appreciate it, Terry. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. They're ninety seven and forty three. The, uh, the the LA Dodgers. Yeah. Mark is up next. Hey, Mark. Hey, how are you guys doing? Thanks for taking my call. Good to All hear. Right. Good to hear from you. Hey, um, I got a quick comment. I've been a little confused by the, uh, the 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 football college football rankings here. So uh, you know, I watched the uh, Alabama Texas game on Saturday, and um, they really didn't look all of that impressive to me. Alabama didn't, and most of the narrative that I've heard from everyone else, you know, uh, guys smarter than myself, uh, seems to seem to think the same thing. So, uh, and all, uh, obviously the, the pollsters, uh, you know, dropped Alabama from one down to two, thinking mm-hmm. maybe this is not the best team in the country. So I, I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding how Texas jumps up from a team that doesn't look that good. How do they jump into the rankings at number 21 with a loss? Like, that's just something I hardly ever see a team lose and jump like eight to ten spots in the polls. Yeah, that's only happened to it hadn't happened in years. I think 2006 was the last time that a team that was out of the polls lost and moved in. It's because Alabama had so much respect going in. They were such big favorites, and they were everybody's near-unanimous number one. 
Yeah, I think that it's important to you know to differentiate between a team not living up to expectations and a team struggling. Right, like Alabama maybe doesn't look like far and away the best team in college football, but they're still a consensus top three team according to just about everybody. They they only dropped from one to two, like you said. So it would make sense that you don't want to punish Texas, or even you you might reward Texas for for going down to the wire mm-hmm. against a team if you think it's the number two team in the country, even if you maybe thought a couple of weeks ago that that was in fact the best team in all of college football. I, I can understand why voters would, would come out of that game uh, having more respect for Texas and more belief that Texas, Texas can, can succeed. Although my doubts would be uh, when, when, you get, when you yeah, when you get that quarterback back, yeah. because that's, uh, that, that, might, that might keep Texas from, from looking uh, that, that impressive in, in some other games too. Right, yeah. I don't know. I just my, my thought was if they, if they felt like Texas looks that that good without their starting quarterback to to jump them up, you know, why not make them a top ten team? I mean, <laughs> if they look that good, if, you, if you're saying Alabama's yeah. so good that if you lose to them, then you know, hey, you can jump eight to ten spots. How so, about the how about the people still, how about the people still voting A and M over App State? Like what? What do you what do you need to see? I mean, am I am I the only one that watched that? I mean, I know you don't want to. That wasn't a fluke. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, what's going on there? The thing to keep in mind, though, is early early on. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's crazy watching the polls early because remember, Florida wasn't ranked. They jump in at number twelve, and then they here they're back down. I mean, Florida now they're behind Utah. Yeah, now they're behind Utah again, <laughs> who they beat a week right. and a half ago. Yeah. I don't know, man. Some of this stuff, I, I just, I guess we'll just have to wait till the till the playoff polls come for out. Enter, for for entertainment, right now. Yeah. the polls are for entertainment purposes only. You got to remember that, especially really early That's in the season, because right. there's some. Otherwise, you'll 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 go nuts. Appreciate the call. Good stuff, Mark. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We can get another one before at least another one before we get to our uh, first break this hour. And Greg is next. Hey, Greg. Hey guys, how y'all doing? All right. Well, I'm gonna be quick about it, but. I'm going to say with the way everything's kind of going and everything is on the line, I don't know if I'd be pulling no orange jersey out. Last time we had that come out far field area, but uh, that's my two cents, whatever that's worth. But um, I don't know, guys. I, <clears throat> I, I don't think by any stretch of imagination and anybody that, that does anything a little bit about football, they, they're not they're not showing their whole hand, but by any means they, they shouldn't have uh, let these teams – be as close as the games was. Um, I know they, I, I think they was kind of letting both quarterbacks kind of do their thing. I would say they're doing more of like, you know, all right, this is, you know, you got three drives and you got three drives or something and, and not kill one of the other's momentum, you know, uh, put somebody in there, get in a bad situation and expect TJ to, to get them out of the situation. I don't, you know, that's not an ideal situation for football. I don't know where his analytics guy is, but he needs to be, Kind of looking at stuff like that, in my opinion, but you know, whatever. And I'm not getting paid to do that, but uh, I think it, it, it's just disappointing to see that. You know, he I hate it, but and I know he's coaching for his job at Auburn, and uh, he, he messed this up. They just gonna turn around, and hire Hugh Freeze, put another Band-Aid on it for a couple of years, and then we'll be wherever we're gonna be at. But hey, hey, hey Greg, not, that's, that's no, I, Greg, you make it, you make a good point. I, you mentioned the analytics and sort of the low percentage, and, and there's there's one that we were just talking about during the commercial break that I'm I'm interested to know if this is a philosophy thing or if they're just testing things out through the first two weeks. Uh, there have been two straight games now, where and, I, and I'll see if I can pull up the exact situation on the second one. The first one is the play that ends with uh, TJ's interception in the Mercer game. The first interception TJ Finley throws at the end of the first half in the Mercer game. That's on a third and eighteen. 
You know, I remember last week I griped a couple right. of times about Auburn deciding to throw a short pass on third. Yeah, that, that's a big risk. Instead of instead of you know punting and you know instead of instead of uh, running and punting and sort of conceding uh, that it was a, a really low percentage situation at the end of a first half, Auburn decided to be too aggressive in my mind and it ends up you know with an interception. Last week it didn't end with a turnover, but I believe there was another there was another situation where Auburn was deep in their own territory on third and very long and they they went really aggressive with a uh, uh with with a, with a play i mean it was the i think it was the um let's see where i could find it, I, it but there there was another one we we made note of it at the time bill where it was like an interesting decision by auburn to go with a uh, you know with with a with a i think it was i think it was early in the game at where where auburn went with well, a, a know, third and long on a you know, in, 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 an, in an aggressive situation where it felt like, you know, maybe maybe you go uh, maybe maybe you go a little bit more conservative there. But I'm interested to see if that continues as the season goes on, or if they're just experimenting at the moment with these with these first two games. As we said, it does seem like Auburn maybe has the chance to do a, a little bit of experimenting in that regard. Appreciate the call, Greg. Uh, let's get to uh, Brett before we get to our first break here in hour number two. Hey, Brett. Hey, Bill. Uh, I got to hear uh, Charlie Trotman the day. Yeah, um, apparently, Char- I mean, sounds Randy. like Charlie's all in favor of, of Auburn wearing the orange this week, right? Yeah. Well, you know, Bill, uh, I'm sure you were there, too. I was there when they came out against Georgia, tied 22-22, and Absolutely. Charlie made a, a great point. He said, you don't do this just to, yeah, hey, look, we're, we're trying to be another Oregon or whatever. You do it because it amps the crowd up just a little bit more. But it also amps up the players. A lot of people forget those are the guys on the field doing the work. So, you know, I've never been huge on wearing orange jerseys because I I think Auburn over did it back in the day. They actually did it four times, Bill. Right, four times. Um, Yeah, starting starting with that one. um, Auburn, I, I remember as a kid growing up, some of the first color pictures I saw of Auburn football was Auburn wearing Auburn wore orange jerseys a lot back uh I guess you know the mid century or something like that maybe you know in the 40s and 50s Yeah well I, you know I'm not sure now that it's kind of leaked out I know it's hard to keep things like that hush hush in these days and times but uh I, I'm certainly not against it but it would have been a whole lot better if that you know Oh yeah <laughs> Had it all be a surprise like it was that year. Um, another thing, I told y'all last year, and y'all laughed at me, before the Arkansas and Ole Miss game, I was really unsure whether Auburn was going to win. But then Barrett Sally picked uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas, and I knew I was on the right path. So I, <laughs> I'm picking Auburn to win and a close one. And please remember, so it appears as of right now, Penn State's kicker is not very good. Not only is he missed an extra point, but I think he missed one field goal, then he, you know, barely nubbed a 25-yarder in. Well, that so, could be very important. That's a good point. Certainly. Last thing, when they were talking, y'all talking about the uh, lines for Penn State. Penn State lost by far and away their best pass rusher. He went pro early. He was the guy, I believe he transferred from Temple. And none of those transfers they've got, looks to be anything like that guy that that, that, that guy was a, a very very good athlete and their and their receiver so, the one that gave auburn all the trouble Dotson. last year Dotson had two touchdowns in his debut for the commanders on saturday he's also yeah. uh, in the nfl after being selected in the first round 
right, guys. Auburn by three, Dodgers in 2022. Have a great day. Appreciate it, Brett. Win for Vin, who was uh, Vin Scully, by the way. I thought really nice. Uh, both Vin Scully and John Madden included in the uh, in the uh, in memoriam uh, segment by the uh, by the. Oh, is that right? I didn't night. see yeah, that they, part. They had uh, they had John Madden and Vin Scully as as part of the uh, the, the former uh, as, as part of the sports uh, representation in the in that uh, in that in that uh, uh, broadcast, and which and, I thought was yeah, really nice, deservedly. So. Couple couple of pretty important yeah, figures no in in sports media. All right, uh, it's nineteen minutes after five o'clock. We need to get to our first break of hour number two. Don't forget Jake Crane of Crane. And company joins us at the bottom of the hour uh but we're lines still open 334-321-1390 here on the tuesday drive time to churn up some more yardage on the drive the drive with bill cameron and dan peck on espn 1067 and online at espnau.com to be a part of the drive call 334-321-1390 toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at espnau.com welcome back into the drive 22 minutes after five o'clock here on this tuesday afternoon and right back to the kia of auburn hotline and keith is up next hey keith Hey, yeah, I was just trying to remember. Uh, did we play Georgia State before we played ten- Tennessee? I mean, Penn State last year, or, or after? it was the week after? It was Penn, uh, Georgia State was the game after yep. the Penn State game last year, and and you know a lot of folks thought maybe. I think John Samuel Schenker talked about how the Penn State game, uh, you know, was uh, was a confidence dent uh, for this uh, for this team, and you saw a little bit of that in their performance the following week against Georgia State when uh, Auburn needed a, a a remarkable fourth quarter rally uh, to come back from what looked like a game they were uh, almost surely going to lose. That's right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's kind of weird about this quarterback situation, and uh, I don't know that it was planned like that or played like that and never would have thought of it. But, uh, the uh, you know, when Finley throws the two picks in the first game and they bring in Ashford, I, you know, I'm kind of thinking that, you know, if Ashford doesn't come in, and finish that game, uh, and they leave Finley out there, and he throws another one. That game, you know, it may have uh, really been Doom's time for him. Uh, you know, it may even force another quarterback into the picture. But, uh, you know, I, I really don't know uh, for sure how it's going to play out. But, uh, you know, the, the uh, long pass that Ashford had in the first game, I think it's going to come back, you know, as a big play because, you know, the second game they didn't let him throw long. And uh, he hits that, that, that long throw, and that, that really uh, throws a, a wrinkle in a lot of uh, defensive coaches' playbook. I mean, you know, when he goes in there and he can throw the ball long and, and also run the ball, uh, you know, it just, it just changes everything. Yeah, Keith, and, but, we've, we've wondered about, you know, if, if it's going to be mostly TJ with Robbie as sort of a wildcat quarterback, if that could be the plan moving forward. And if, if, you know, if TJ Finley were, you know, if he were unable to perform or, you know, if Auburn has to make a change, that, that could, you know, that, that, that could become, that could get reconsidered. But right now it does seem like yeah, TJ as your more or less permanent quarterback with Robbie Ashford coming in and, Running, but not always just running quarterback draws. No, that's a great point. I mean, if you know that Auburn's going to have single coverage on a receiver when Robbie's at quarterback. I mean, that's just the way it is. The safety's got to come up and think Robbie's going to be running. That's right. And, you know, if he can throw that long ball, and uh, if he were to come out and hit another one or two of those, I mean, it just it just rattles 
defense is like crazy when he comes in there. Uh, and we've seen back-to-back plays where we've seen back-to-back games now where a Rob, a long Robbie Ashford run has. Uh, been followed by a T.J. Finley play-action pass uh, d- down the field, where Auburn's been able to use the fact that the defense is now sort of uh, struggling to you know to get to their bearings. You know what? You think about it, it's like uh, long Robbie runs have been followed by either T.J. or Robbie. That's true. Passes downfield. That's right. You, you've seen. You've seen. And, and to, to Var. Right, all, uh-huh. I think all three of the passes in question have, have been to uh, to number six. Uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting to see how Auburn's been able to to use that. Uh, you know, the defense being off balance after a after a big run. That's right, and uh, I just you know this is a game that they've been scheming for more than any of the first two for sure, and uh, they've been pointing to. So uh, you know, I, I I'm not really pleased with the offense or the defense, but I mean. Uh, we got two W's, and uh, they come out and beat Penn State as a new ball game. Oh, you're absolutely right. And John Samuel said it yesterday on Tiger Takes. You know, he talked about circling this ball game all the offseason. This has been the one that they've been. I don't know if they've been preparing for, but they've sure been thinking about. And it's a, and again, not to because it's, it, this is not 2004. It's not the same thing. But I remember how much was riding on. Jason Campbell when LSU came to town in week three, right? You remember like that, that felt after two games mm-hmm. against teams. I don't remember who Auburn opened the season with. It was Louisiana Monroe and somebody else, but Auburn opened the season with two, two teams that they should have no problem beating. And then it was reigning national champion LSU coming to Jordan Hare Stadium. And that was the big test for this new 2004 team. And, 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 and if Auburn loses that game, you wonder if Jason Campbell finishes the season or, or if Auburn, you know, goes to the drawing board and, and says, you know, we, we need to reevaluate what's going on at quarterback. So it, it is. Oh, there, there were, there were people that thought Brandon should, should exactly. go ahead and get the opportunity right then. A- absolutely. So, I mean, it was it was a really big game at the time and a big test. And after winning that game, it was off to the races for Auburn, and they had one of the best seasons in school history. So, you, you know, you wonder, you know, what a what a what kind of confidence boost a win Saturday could provide for this team and what it could mean for the rest of the season. A- absolutely a fair thing to wonder about. Yeah, no question. Great stuff, uh, Keith. Yeah, good, good stuff. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We're approaching the uh, bottom of the hour again. Jake Crane of Crane and Company will join us. Should you know, we should mention that we are going to be on the road again this Friday. Oh, and okay. We're headed, we're headed back to. The, I thought we probably were. We're headed back to the friendly confines. You know, as as we said earlier in the show, and as apparently you can hear on our uh, Twitter account on ESPN one zero six seven. You know, you're posting the excerpts of the of the show there on social media. Uh, we, we were saying earlier, this feels like the biggest. At a conference game at Jordan Hare Stadium since the USC Trojans came to town to start the 2003 yeah, help, season. Help us if if we're if we're missing something. I mean, Kansas State came here. Washington State came here. Nothing like these aren't Penn State. Yeah, it's not Penn State. Uh, Clemson was was you know they've come a couple of times and that's been they've been a Clemson's sort of like though a, a cousin. Yeah, in, exactly. You know? It's not it's not a it's not a once in a lifetime yeah. deal when when Clemson comes to Jordan Hare Stadium or when Georgia Tech comes to right. Jordan-Hare Stadium, even though they're Power 5 programs with, with tradition on their own right. But this is different. This is Penn State. And because it's such a big game, and because it's one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest weekends of the season, we're going to be at Sky Bar on Friday doing the show live on location. Uh, I'll check with the guys and see when, when they're going to open up on Friday. We, we might actually be mixing We might be mixing with the masses uh, that day. You want to do it? You want to get up on the stage? You want to do it on the, sure. you do the show? We'll, sure, we'll, that'd we'll, be fun. We're going to do the show from the stage at Sky Bar on Friday. Friday, live at 4 o'clock, uh, brought to you by Sky Bar and our friends at Bud Light Next. 
uh, the uh, zero carb uh, beer that they uh, that they make over there. Uh, so yeah, d- don't uh, don't miss the, the the drive live on location at Skybar. Next up on the drive, Jake Crane joins us after our bottom of the hour break. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. The Drive. The Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Final half hour here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls and time for our regular weekly visit with our good friend from Crane and Company, and that is Crane himself, Jake Crane, joining us. Jake, how you doing today? Man, I'm doing good, guys. How are y'all doing? Man, uh, it oh well, getting along. I, I, I'm not going to personally say I'm doing great, but uh, hey, I, I've been worse. So it's always no, nice. No, always nice. To, we're getting aboard the crane train here. That's and, right. And, and, I mean, it know. is it is a great time. I mean, we're now two weeks in and still don't really know what we're looking at with a lot of these teams, including Auburn. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, what what a wild weekend this past weekend. Games that looked like. Sure things, absolute blowouts turn into some uh, some upsets and near misses. Yeah, well, it, you know, again, college football's come in and, and barnstorming around the country right now with two back-to-back great weekends. You know, it's it's almost like every year, though, Bill, like after the first week, I think it's because we go without college football for yep. so long that when we get it that first week, I'm like, man, that was maybe the best first week ever. And then after last week, I'm like, that may have been the greatest week, too, that I've seen in a while. So, I think it maybe is because just hadn't been here for a while, but you know, from the full spectrum of of results as a as a lover of the sport, I mean, you've had you know, like you said, everything from beatdowns to upsets to really good finishes, really good matchups, and and this weekend slate's going to be really good as well. But you know, how can you not tip your hat to the Sun Belt right now? Uh, you know, Sean Clark and App State uh, uh, go out there to our uh, go to A and M and get a win. Georgia Southern and Clay Helton, the guy that we uh, we're having on the show this week. They go win at, at Nebraska or, you know, what's left of that program. Marshall goes and beats beat Notre Dame. And Southern Miss gave Miami a really good run for their money. And, uh, you know, the South Alabama Jaguars went up to Central Michigan and took care of business. So how about the Sun Belt standing out early? That's right. South Alabama's got uh, UCLA uh, this uh, this coming Saturday in the Rose Bowl. Won't be surprised at all if they give a uh, uh, they give a highly competitive football game uh, to Chip Kelly and company. Uh, they're back-to-back Alabama opponents uh, for, uh, for yeah. UCLA, by the way. They played Alabama State. Uh, last week, and now they now they bring in uh, South Alabama. Very interesting how the how, how that works out. Uh, let's uh, let's stick to the SEC for a little while. Speaking of the Sun Belt, uh, what'd you think of uh, of App State's win uh, in in College Station, Jake? That was uh, maybe the uh, maybe the most surprising outcome of, of the of the season thus far. Well, you know, guys, before the season, I mean, you know, I came on here and we talked about it. Haynes King just wasn't a guy that that I was prepared to say is, is ready to, you know, right the ship or, or ride the Ferrari. He's still panicking in the pocket. Now, their run game hasn't been very good. The O-line struggled. Uh, but he's missed a lot of wide-open receivers. He's put the ball on the ground a lot. But I was most surprised at the A&M game on how App State was able to run the ball with such consistency against that Texas A&M front seven because App State's offensive line is not very big. But if you're watching them, whether it was 
split zone. Uh, they ran a little bit of gap team, a little bit of power, but it, it was a lot of, of outside zone. They were going lateral and making cuts, and they were hitting it at the right spot. Inside zone, they were really crashing it down the middle. And, you know, if App State could, couldn't have, could not have scripted a better uh, game plan and, and execution the way that game went, that was one of the very few ways that they could have won that game. And when you look at time of possession, you know, they really dominated. Yeah, and, and we were we were looking at the A&M schedule a little while ago. This game against Miami is huge for them because yeah. they've got Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Alabama, their next three games. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a reason. I, I got them going 4-4 four and four in the SEC and did before the season. When you don't have a quarterback and you don't have a consistent run game or, or a quarterback that's playing well, even though, again, Max Johnson, you know, where is he? I'm shocked he hasn't been out there yet. They don't win this one. It could get really ugly really quickly. Uh, and look, Miami struggled a little bit in the first half, a little bit into the second half against Miami. Uh, Will Hall's doing a really good job down at Southern Miss. Speaking of the Sun Belt, you know, they'll be joining it as well here soon. Uh, but now, man, I mean, you lose this one, and, and you could legitimately lose five games in a row. Because right now, the, the way Mississippi State's looking, going to Starkville and playing, that's no walk in the park by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. So, you know, A&M fans, again, it's just, and it's just like every year. Well, you, you play two losable out-of-conference games as an SEC West team, and you've got Florida from the other side, although, granted, we don't know what Florida is through through two weeks after, after between the Utah game and the Kentucky game. But you're right, there's not margin for error on that A&M schedule. Jimbo is, it's a marathon through a minefield. Because, you know, you, you can get past Miami on Saturday. Doesn't mean the job's over. Like, doesn't mean you're, you know, you're guaranteed a 10-win season or anything like that just because you beat Miami. There's a bunch of, Arkansas's a week later uh, for, for that team. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a damaging loss uh, early on a, on a schedule that, that seemed like it had uh, the possibility uh, for, for a lot of games that, that could be really competitive or, or might, uh, might break uh, towards, uh, towards A&M's opponent. Speaking of Florida, uh, mm-hmm. Florida, Kentucky, and Gainesville. A big win for for Mark Stoops and uh, and Will Levis. A bit of a uh, of, of a crash back to earth for Billy Napier and uh, and Anthony Richardson. Yeah, this was outside of Texas and Bama. The and obviously App State beating A and M. This was the most shocking outcome I thought of the weekend. And and I still am, am sitting here wondering. And I went back and watched it. And I went back and watched a little of the Utah game. For some reason, on the zone read, are really in the game plan overall. They're not using Anthony Richardson's legs enough. Like, like the game against Utah, I thought they used him too much as a pocket passer, and then you saw him when the play breaks down, get crazy and do things. But there were a couple times against Utah where if he would have just kept his own read, and, and I don't think Billy's telling him, don't, you know, uh, you're not supposed to keep it, just make him think you're going to keep it. When you have a guy that's that dangerous, you got to leave every opportunity open. But there was a couple times he could have pulled the ball and been untouched for about 10 yards. And when he's untouched for 10 yards, I don't think you're going to tackle him. And then you go look at the game plan against Kentucky, a team that is lacking explosive weapons on offense. Wondell Robinson's gone. Chris Rodriguez wasn't playing. He's cleared now. But Kentucky, if you watch, I mean, they were a mess on special teams. It was 16-7. to And Florida just would not utilize Anthony Richardson's legs, and they kept keep trying to turn him in to this elite passer, and he throws the pick six. And he makes two bad throws on third down. And then all of a sudden, you've got three three and outs in a row, and Kentucky hits a big play down the field, and they're right back in the game. Kentucky just outlasted Florida. But I am shocked 
at Billy's lack of utilization of Anthony Richardson's legs. I, I don't understand it. I, I, I tell you, Jake, I talked to a couple of Florida fans that are are are, um, are 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 just befuddled. They're beside themselves, and they they said if we had lost, talking Florida, if we had lost that Utah game. They'd have been looking. They'd have been looking to try to get him out of town as quick as possible. And I thought, man, this is two games in. But I mean, they are not happy with uh, with with what they've seen coaching early on. That trip to that trip to Knoxville looms. We were talking You're about it earlier getting, in the show. They they got they got a game in Knoxville a week from Saturday. Uh, that that's you know it, it it becomes more and more important after dropping the Kentucky game. Yeah, and Tennessee can put a lot of points up. They're nice with Brew McCoy and Sed Tillman. The offensive lines look pretty decent. That Pitt team they went up there and beat was a good ball club. Mm-hmm. They're good on the offensive line. They're good on the defensive line. I was surprised to get Tennessee shredded uh, to see Tennessee get shredded on the ground early. I mean, Pitt hit a home run on a play. They were getting six, eight at a time, and kind of the coin flipped. Obviously, the quarterback got hurt. That was the big play. That was kind of the theme of the weekend when you really look at it. But now, you know, back to Florida. Look, I I, I get it. Okay, you you have to be balanced. I'm not saying line up Anthony Richardson and run him downhill every play. That's what scares me to death about Arkansas is that K.J. Jefferson runs the ball way too much. We're two games in, and he's probably beat up like it's four or five games in. But I don't understand why you don't let your best player do what he is legitimately best at. Give him really easy throws, but run him. You got him for one year. He's gone after this year, regardless of really how Florida does. They've got him as the number 12 overall prospect. It's like renting a Ferrari for the day. What are you going to do? You're just going to drive in a school zone and go 15 miles an hour the whole day? No, you're going to ride that thing as far and as fast as you can. Those are rollover. You know, not, they're not rollover minutes, right? We're talking about that. These are, these are, this quarterback is leaving in, in December regardless. You're, you're absolutely right. It makes sense to, uh, to use him however you can. Uh, let, let's, move to, uh, let's move to the center oh, yeah. a little bit. Before we get to Auburn, Penn State, we got a lot of questions about Auburn, Penn State. Uh, Missouri, uh, Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State and LSU in Baton Rouge. We were saying earlier, Jake, I can't imagine Mississippi State's been favored that many times in history uh, going to uh, to Tiger Stadium and taking on uh, LSU. Uh, but this is a uh, th- this one feels like a dice roll. I mean, th- these two teams uh, they- they've had ups and downs. Will Rogers is is playing extremely well to begin the season. Uh, what do you expect from uh, from, from LSU and, and Mississippi State? I think this could be the best game of the whole weekend. Uh, I actually think UTSA is going to be in a dogfight with Texas uh, this weekend as well, but. Man, Mississippi State, out of all the projections I had, I feel good about South Carolina when I feel good about pretty much everyone except Mississippi State. I think I undervalued Mississippi State a lot. Now, it's still early, and Mike Leach has a tendency to lose games that he shouldn't lose and win one that he shouldn't win. But this is about as good as I've seen them, just mm-hmm. operation-wise. I don't know if they have a ton of depth, but they've stayed somewhat healthy, and they are, they are in midseason form on offense. Will Rogers is, is going to be a really good NFL quarterback. Uh, I said on the show the other day, I wouldn't be surprised if the best quarterback Mississippi State's had in the last 15 years uh, isn't the guy that's actually at Mississippi State right now and not in Dallas. Yeah, I mean that that is a uh, you know a pair well, of quarterbacks. I, I, oh. As a college quarterback, I think I think yeah. you're you're right right I, now. Bill, Bill, I'm I'm telling you, I'm I'm telling you too. I mean, we sat down with Jim Nagy, uh, who's the you know the head scout yeah. guy who runs the senior, senior bowl, and mm-hmm. they love this guy. The way he went out and, and spun it with all the top guys. They said they would not be shocked if he made a big move in the draft, and you're seeing why. That Arizona team that he just went out and beat, that, that's not the Arizona team with Kevin Sumlin or in Jed Fish's first year. That's a good ball team. They went to San, ball club. They went out to San Diego State and absolutely rolled mm-hmm. an always-tough Aztec team in a brand-new stadium. 
So that that wasn't a win. People will look at that and be like, oh, well, Arizona's terrible. No, they're not. Uh, watch out for Mississippi State. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think they're, they're, they look much better than I thought thus far through through a couple of games. Now, we talked a little bit about Texas A&M. They've got Miami this week, and, and like we said, this is a huge, huge game for, uh, for A&M. Yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely massive. I mean, again, you're you win this one, and then all of a sudden, I mean, you because Miami's ranked pretty well. Yeah, I mean, you you win this one because you want to play somebody that's good after a loss like that. You don't want to play Alabama State after that loss because even if you kill them, n- nobody's going to know if the problem's fixed. Not even the players. Now you get to play a quality opponent. You go out and beat them. Now all of a sudden you're two and one with a win over a top fifteen team. Uh, a lot of what you wanted in front of you, a berth in the playoffs, probably not. But uh, again, it, it can help resurrect things and get you back on the right track. Because let's say A&M were to win three in a row, I mean, now all of a sudden the, the narrative changed and and it looks a little bit different. Oh, it's no question. So, but it, but it's got to start this weekend, and and that sort of leads into. The Auburn-Penn State game. I uh, mentioned yeah. it a while ago. I mean, Brian Harson said at SEC Media Days, watch. Well, everybody's everybody's going to be watching now because you don't really know what to be overly optimistic about after two games. You've seen moments, but you've seen other moments where you go, oh, can't, can't keep seeing that. Man, I mean, the, the quarterback situation, when you're rotating guys every play, every other play, like, like it's just, Here's, here's what I know, Bill. All right, in, in times like this, after what we've seen, I mean, last week's performance wasn't very good. I'm actually a lot more worried about the defense than I was. But you, you can maybe call it a trap game, a look-ahead game. But that San Jose uh, State team wasn't great. They beat Portland State by four, and they came in here and looked like they had athletes that were close to on par at important positions, uh, the same as what Auburn did. Uh, the offensive line, you know, I think continues to, to play hard, and, and they're, they're blocking their assignments pretty well. They're just not, you know, super. Super talented. I don't know another way to put it. But I do know Auburn. I do know crazy things happen, especially at Jordan-Hare. I would not be shocked either way. I am not betting on this game. Like, I'm not even remotely touching it. It's going to come down to, because, look, Penn State has a good secondary. they got a really good mm-hmm. secondary. Joey Porter Jr., the guys running back there, they're no joke. Auburn's got to find a way to have, have a pass game and some sort of balance, because I don't think they're going to be able to line it up and consistently run it down Penn State's throat. And without the threat of the pass, Auburn's going to have to win this game 17-14. to 14. And with, with not only Sean Clifford, but Drew Aller, the backup that Penn State has, is that, um, this kid has a chance to be really, really special. Uh, but, you know, Sean Clifford's the guy led him on that game-winning drive against Purdue. He has experience playing in a hostile environment. I think if Auburn's going to win, it's got to be ugly. Uh, I just, again, the personnel, I, I, I don't know really. I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't looked great. That's the best way I can put it. But Jordan-Hare's worth at least a touchdown, so... Uh, it could be pretty tight. The, the question I have, you know, even though we've talked so much about T.J. Finley in the passing offense, I am fascinated to see how the Auburn run game can perform against a team like Penn State because you would think the talent is there in the backfield and you bring back experience at key spots on the offensive line. But, you know, you, you, it's been tough to evaluate uh, how they're going to do against a team like Penn State or an SEC opponent uh, through these first two weeks. What do you expect as far as, as, as far as how Auburn is going to be able to produce on the ground on Saturday? And would would you agree uh, that's a uh, that's that's a crucial uh, element to who's going to win this game? Oh yeah, well I mean obviously the run game. I mean if you can run the ball and stop the run, you're going to win a lot of games. Uh, look, I think for Auburn to be successful on the ground, you've got to run it on the perimeter. Uh, you've got to find ways to get jet sweeps to kind of even out that defensive line, create some holes, you know, for inside zone. 
Uh, if you do want to run a little gap scheme, it helps there. Split zone as well. Uh, but they have got to attack the perimeter. The cutback's built into the zone. Uh, and, look, Tank's got to be Tank. But I'm going to tell you right now, I mean, look, and we know Tank really isn't a home run hitter. The more I watch Jarquez Hunter, like I think Jarquez Hunter has a chance to be really, really special. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw Jar- Jarquez Hunter kind of go off and maybe run a kickback or, or do something like that. That that kid's very, very talented. Coming off an injury, he's unbelievably strong. Him and Tank are such a good one-two punch. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Auburn's going to have to attack the perimeter uh, in the run game. You're probably going to see a lot of modified runs. What do I mean by that? You know, quick swings, now screens, bubbles, trying to get to second and sixth. Uh, to create that threat, but not just about the run game. It's the pass protection, too. Regardless of who's in there, uh, which, you know, I think you roll with Robbie Ashford, fellas. I think you roll with Robbie Ashford and see if we can't Harlan Globetrotter our way, you know, to a win out here on offense just by, you know, crazy plays when it breaks down and, and him just taking off and doing things that maybe outside of the play that's called but could be the difference in a, in a low-scoring game. It's good. Well, everybody, like I said, everybody is, is going to do what Brian Harson said and watch, and then we'll see what uh, we'll see what the results are. Great stuff as always, Jake. Let everybody know what you got going at Crane and Company. What's coming up, and, uh, and how, of course, they can access it. Yeah, yeah, check us out. It's Crane and Company on YouTube. C R A I N and Company. Uh, got some big guests lined up. We just had Brett Favre. Uh, had a great interview with him. Got Tim Brando coming on tomorrow. Going to break down the Auburn Penn State game. Uh, in our keys to victory segment, we're going to see, fellas. Like you said, you know, sometimes you got to watch. Who knows? Auburn may win by thirty, but I appreciate it, guys. Thank y'all. Jake, have a great week, man. Thanks again. <laughs> Jake Crane joining us as he does every Tuesday in the five o'clock hour, and we really appreciate him spending some time with us. We'll get to our final break. Still time for you to join us here on the Tuesday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Final segment of the Tuesday Drive with Bill and Dan. Our thanks to Jake Crane joining us this hour. Barrett Sully, last hour. Hopefully you got a chance to hear both of them. If you miss any of that or any of the drive, check out the podcast. That's right. Podcast of the Drive presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. You can uh, find Podcast of the Drive by searching for The Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform or go to RadioAlabama.net and pull up the podcast center on the ESPN 1067 page and you can listen to our podcast that way. Again, all presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Love to have Jake on the show. We were running a little bit short on time there or else we maybe would have gotten into uh, Jake's comment about rolling right. with Robbie Ashford as the quarterback. And, and you know, I, I understand that point of view. I will say, well, I think I mean, I- if, if they're going to go with Robbie Ashford this Saturday, and they're not, but but if Auburn was going to roll with Robbie Ashford, Robbie not, Ashford, from, not from the outset for sure. No, no, but if but he probably should have been out there when Auburn was losing to San Jose State, playing quarterback. Probably. Like Robbie Ashford should have been out there quarterbacking drives in the second half if the plan was to give Robbie Ashford an extended look against Penn State. I'm not sure that's the plan. Like it's, it feels like it's going to no, be. No, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, it seems like the plan. But then I have no, I have no idea what the plan for Penn State is. I mean, that's what I've said through two games. I'm not really sure what Auburn have have. What have they been setting up 
for the Penn State game. I mean, maybe it's all just been a complete smokescreen, and we're going to see something different. It's not very likely, though. Now you got people thinking it's going to be Holden or something, right? It's going to be a complete smokescreen. Uh, no, no, Hol- no. I'm talking Holden about, going I'm talking about just the offense, what what you're going to do. New um, Auburn AD, Bill Cameron just told you it's going to be Holden on uh, on, on setting. No, it's uh, the the... I would assume, based on the first two weeks, and certainly how the San Jose State game ended, that it's going to be mostly T.J. Finley. Oh yeah, Robbie no, no, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm just oh. talking about you know how you how diversified the offense is and what types of plays you're running. We didn't see as much motion. You last made a great week. He was point, talking yeah. jet sweeps. We didn't really see as much of that last week. Maybe it's because of what how San Jose State was defending. But you know, Jake was talking about getting to the perimeter and and Auburn's got some speed. Just how do you get out there and? And take advantage you, of that. You, you wonder if a decision to showcase a lot of motion week one and then not very much in week two hmm. would have been strategic as far as making Penn State wonder what they're about to right. see because you, you've now d- done it two different ways. I don't, I don't know. I also noticed that, you know, you mentioned it on Saturday that it did seem like players weren't in motion before the snap as much against San Jose State as they were against Mercer. Yeah, it's, t- it's tough to imagine what, what the Auburn approach is going to be. You would think run heavy, but at the same time, maybe they expect you know, maybe 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 they think Penn State is planning for a run heavy approach and they try to and now you get into are you thinking oh, yeah. what I'm thinking are you are you thinking what I'm thinking and so, so those sorts of uh, no I, I really I really want to see how Auburn attacks as well and we'll have Jason Caldwell from uh, AUTigers.com with us tomorrow in hour number one to give us his thoughts you know what what he feels we will see this Saturday and of course everything up until now as well So looking forward to that. Uh, But we're out of time here on the Tuesday Drive. Join us tomorrow at 4. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.